morning. We are reading from James chapter 2, verse 14 to the end of chapter 2. So I'll give you some time to flick to it in your Bibles. If you've got the large print edition, it's page 1841. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that, and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? We see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. We see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Alrighty. This is a great passage, and it's, it's great to think and ponder on, so let, let's do that now together. I'm just going to ask God to help us to understand faith and action, so let me do that. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks uh, that we can trust in you, have faith in you. Help us to understand how that relates to our work, what we do. Amen. Now... Are you a little bit like me in that you love it when something just works the first time and works seamlessly? And when something doesn't work the first time and seamlessly, it really, really annoys you. Or when it should just be there, it shouldn't be a problem and it really bugs you. It drives me just, oh, I can't stand it when the internet doesn't work, right? It just, I, I can't handle it. It's, I, it should be there all the time, 24-7, this first world problem that I have, and it, when it drops in and out, it oh, frustrates me. But what I love is my new obsession. It's not even really a toy, but it's become a new obsession. I've got this little app on my phone, and it's a great app. See, because I used to not care about turning the lights on and off and how much it costs, and I didn't wait, because I never really knew, and I probably wasted a lot of money, but now I click on this app, and I can see today, I'm probably going to spend 68 cents, and maybe in about an hour's time, I'll have extra power, and so we can put extra power stuff on, and then at the night time, I've got about another two hours time left before I run out of battery charge, and so no one do anything after then, and I've kind of become a bit of a monster, because it's so good. I can know everything that's happening now in regards to power. Just ask Jack and Amanda when I wouldn't let them turn on the heating in a meeting the other day, until they gave me 60 cents. Now, like, 
<laughs> it's great. Before, I didn't care because I didn't know. But now, now I knew. It works so well. It's just seamless. It's brilliant. It just works beautifully. Unlike the internet sometimes. The thing about faith is that we need it to work. Otherwise, what's the point? Faith needs to be more like my new app than like rubbish internet connection. It needs to work. It needs to be a faith that works. And that's a great little uh, way to think about it because it needs to actually be useful work. And the point today is it needs to therefore be accompanied by works, by actions. Faith that works. See, my goal for us today is that we need to make sure, our goal is, we need to make sure that we understand clearly the link between the two. Otherwise, what we're doing is, if you come to church and you have a kind of faith, you're kind of wasting your time if it doesn't work. The Christian life that you, that you live is all misunderstood. And that's why this passage today is very helpful. Now I want us to just travel through it a little bit, and I hope you can uh, come with me. If you've got James 2 opened up in front of you, uh, you can follow one, you can grab a Bible at the back if you wanted to sneak up there and grab one. But let's start with verses 14 to 17, because James is really concerned to help them to see how faith and the deeds go together. And I said there that it's, we're saved for a purpose. Let, let me show you what I mean. Verse 14, James says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, no actions? Can such a faith save them? Now, before we go any further, we need to get on the same page with faith. Faith, if you haven't got it locked into your head, when you're saying faith, what you're saying is trust. It's not some kind of leap into the dark, as if that's all you can do. You can only have faith when there's no reason to believe in something and there's no reason to trust in it. Real faith is to trust in something with a reason. But what James is pointing out is that some people, that's not what their faith is like. That faith maybe doesn't include that all-encompassing trust, which is actually what it is. And so he says, can such a faith save them? And what he does is he gives an example. And this illustration, I think every single person in this room can read this this illustration and go, oh yeah, that's pretty self-explanatory. It's so obvious. Have a look at verse 15 and 16. He says, suppose a brother and sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? See the illustration? See the point? You know that someone has no food. They have no clothes. They're really struggling. And your response is to say, not just to kind of ignore it, not to do the kind of 
the, uh, the others other than the Samaritan, that story, and turn the other way, to actually go and say, have a nice deed, a good word. It's shocking. It's purposely saying the very thing that they can't have by those words. What good is it? This is probably an illustration in which wasn't that far off for them because as we've seen and we saw last week with favoritism and 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 we see through this whole letter the issue of the rich and the poor and all of these Christians being scattered all around Rome and and the cultures colliding and the those that have and those that don't in church together and here we're seeing if you if someone's got no food and you say to them be well fed shocking thing to do that is so shocking because the point is verse 17 in the same way that's what he says as shocking as that is it's just as shocking to have faith by itself that is just some kind of uh, belief in God that is not accompanied by actions it's dead it's shocking take the illustration to its extreme point be well fed they come back the next week and have had nothing to eat be well fed they don't come back the next week because they're dead your faith without actions is dead you see we are saved for a purpose and it's not just to have some kind of assent to god to some kind of okay god exists that's what we'll get to in the next point. Think of it this way. If you say Jesus is God, Jesus died on the cross for me so I can have life with him. He rose again so I can have new life with him, resurrected with him. That is what life's about. But nothing changes. And you speak about him to others in a horrendous way. That you're at university and while you believe those things, you, you in your classmates, see the Christian group on campus and they're all rubbishing them and bagging them and you lead the charge. What kind of faith is that? When nothing changes about how you view relationships, when God has given you new life, you change how you view relationships. When nothing changes in how you behave at work, when you lie to get what you need, or at home when you yell and get angry at your parents. It's dead. Because we're saved for a purpose. Our actions. Living for God. It doesn't work to just think about God and think you're okay. And that's the second point. Believing, I put in brackets, faithing is, is more than in the head. See, faithing's not a word, right? That's why we say believing in the Bible, but it actually is what, it's, it's what it is. It's that active trusting in God. Have a look at what he says. He's kind of challenging those that are questioning everything he's said already. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds. And here's the key, key point. I will show you my faith 
by my deeds. See, up to this point, James has been banging on about getting very practical, hasn't he? It's the joy of James where you're getting real tangible ways of how we live for God. And if you decide, well, I just need to be a good person, then they say, no, no, the way you live is because it's expressing your faith. If you say you can just have faith and don't need deeds, well, I'm going to show you my trust in God by my deeds. Show your faith. Let me, let me give you an illustration. That Some of you know that at our house, we're building, turning the garage into our office, kind of our meeting space, the ministry centre, and we're looking forward to it, but I'm building it. If you know me, I have no skills. Stephen's helping me figure it all out. He is very good at it. But I'm actually cutting wood, I'm putting nails in, I'm putting screws in, there's two walls up right now. Do you trust I've built it well enough to come and stay in there. Why are you laughing, Jenny? Seriously, what's going on? <laughs> do you trust? Do you trust that it's built well enough to go in there? What do you reckon? Yeses or noes? Wow. The only way I'll know whether it's a yes or no is if when it's finished, you come and sit in there. Because if you don't trust that it's not going to fall down, you're not going to sit in there and get squashed, are you? You will show me your faith in the building by going in it. You see? That's what he's getting on about. Don't be so ridiculous to think, oh yeah, I can just think that God's real and that's okay. No, you truly, with all conviction, trusting God, you show it by your actions. It gets even real, even more real. You see, the idea of just believing in God is a real problem. I want to suggest to you that for many people today, even today, even though we're going to be moving more and more secular, when push comes to shove, most people will still kind of say their safety net is, oh, I believe in God exists. A lot of people still today do that. You could even possibly be one of them. It's one of our modern day problems, I reckon. The kind of, some kind of a, yep, God is real, is all I need. It's the false security option. It's the, have a seatbelt on, so I feel like I'm safe, because I'm going to do all this other stuff, but I've got the, I think God exists, uh, solution. But the problem is, the seatbelt, the seatbelt is faulty. And if you crash, it ain't going to work. Why do I say that? Look at what he says in verse 19. This is a great verse. Kind of drop the microphone moment. Ready? He goes, You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. See what he's saying there? The idea of knowing that God exists is good. You need to be there. But don't be fooled in thinking that's what a life of real faith is about. The demons know Jesus very, very well. They know him on a level that we don't. We did Mark's gospel when we started off. 
opportunity grows, who kept on carrying the truth bombs about Jesus through the story? The demons. They kept, they, they pointed out, this is about Jesus, this is about Jesus. Everyone else was trying to figure it out. That so often happens. They know that God exists. They just hate him. The great thing was that happened this week. I, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to get Jack to come up and, uh, and tell us what happened this week. Because we discussed this at Bible study and can you tell people about this? And then Jack was walking around Hindley Street. What happened? I was walking back down Hindley Street on the way to church yeah. after uh, meeting up with someone. And um, I was walking past a pub and there was a guy sitting there and he kind of tapped me on the shoulder as I was walking by and said, sit down and have a beer with me. And I said, oh, sorry, I probably can't have a beer. I'm on, on my way somewhere. Um, but then he just kind of kept talking and said, oh, what do you do during the week? So I told him what I do. I work for a church. I'm doing a traineeship. And he said, convince me. Convince me about um, what you believe. So I thought, all right. How good's that? Just walking <laughs> along the street and someone just says, convince not, me yeah. about God. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So that was, yeah, that was pretty cool. So I sat down and we we're, were chatting. Um, and it, it had a couple of drinks, and it kind of came out that, yeah, he did, he did drink a fair bit, didn't really like himself that much. Um, but, yeah, we, we kept talking, and I kind of just, yeah, put the question to him, like, why, why wouldn't you become a Christian? What did he say about God? And he said, I believe that God's there, and I reckon that that's all good. Like, what did that's you, that's what good did you do? for me. Um, I said to him, the Bible teaches that even the devil believes in God. Um, yeah, and then he, he kind of was a little bit shocked, I guess, and said, yeah, I suppose you're right. Um, yeah. Wow. That happened this week. We have the passage right in front of us. Thanks, Jack. That's a guy who's seriously lost, and maybe we should uh, pray for him and where he's at. But it confronted him, something that he just assumed was right. And then when Jack kind of brought up what we're seeing in James, kind of went, oh, yeah, okay. That's kind of true. It means nothing for me. really important for us to remember. I remember as a kid, that's kind of, oh yeah, I know God exists, that's, uh, I'll be right. That kind of was in my background. The I'm a good person solution and I know God's there is not real faith. Having knowledge about God and then putting the brakes on as if that's where you stop means you've parked with the demons, <laughs> according to James. You see, our series don't just sit there. The just is important. So when we're saying you don't just sit there, it's important to sit and consider who God is. We come on a Sunday and consider who God is and how He changes our life. You have to do that because if you don't understand it, you can come up with all sorts of views about God where He's revealed Himself directly to us. We need to do it. We come to realize who He is as his word by his spirit convicts our hearts and minds. We need to sit, but we don't just stay there. Because if we do, we're not actually living a faith that works. And so this point, uh, James wants to continue on to help them to see, and he's really kind of nailing them. Verse 20, he says, you foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? It's kind of self-evident, isn't it? He's kind of saying, but he gives them two examples anyway. They're two pretty great examples. Abraham and Rahab. I'd love to spend ages going into, uh, with you today, but I'm just going to 
touch on them. And I know we're going to get back to Abraham and, and this uh, at another time and, and this is faith. But let me read to you verse 21 to 24, first of all. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Let me just stop there. Let me just remind you of the story if you're not fully aware of what happened. God told Abraham to take his loved son up a mountain and sacrifice him. You need to let that sit. You need to go to Genesis 22 and read how confronting that is. Abraham trusted God and did it. And it was only at the point where he was about to make the sacrifice where God told him to stop. It's a really, really kind of stark example of how when you trust God, you respond with what he wants in action. So here we read it. He says in verse 21, Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. For his faith was made complete by what he did. You see, Abraham was considered righteous. That is, God has seen his faith and he says, I I see you, you are righteous, Abraham. You are considered righteous. What you have done is self-evident that you are truly convicted that you need to trust and follow me. In this moment, that's what he did. And verse 22 makes the point which is really helpful. You see his faith and actions were working together. There's two sides of the one coin. You can't have your faith saying, I trust God and I want to live his way and have your actions saying, but I don't actually want to have any of my relationships being moral. (laughs) See how that, they work together. I trust God and he says the best way for me to live is to actually honour him in every single relationship I have. So that's how I turn. You see that? That's what Abraham did. Your faith and your actions work together. It says, and they were made complete by what he did. That isn't he got better and better in his um, being saved or he was more and more certain of being saved. The idea of being complete or perfect, same idea, is that in this moment, it was real, true, full faith. You trust God, your actions express it. That's what he's done. It's complete. You see, when God told him to do it, and he, okay, I'm going to do that. He's still just got the faith, but it hasn't been made complete and that it hasn't all been done because he hasn't acted it out yet. When it's acted out, it's been all complete. It's been perfected. You see, verse 23 says, the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God. This belief is not head knowledge, because that was what the demons do. 
This belief is a transformation of life. Only a person who's transformed in their thinking and life can do what he did with his thumb. It's a shocking illustration which really hammers home the point. Our faith and our actions work together. Rahab the spy, that's another example. Totally different. Abraham is like the man in Israel's history, the father of Israel. It all kind of comes back to him. Now we've got a prostitute and it makes the same point. Verse 25, in the same way even Rahab the prostitute considered uh, righteous for what she did when she gave lodgings to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. See, in the book of Joshua, God's people are looking for the land that God has promised them. And what happens is, uh, Joshua sends some spies out to see if they can take it. And the king, in the, in the area they were going to, um, want, wants to capture them. But Rahab takes them in and hides them. And sends them off in their way so they can do it. Why does she do that? Well, if, we went, if you go back to Joshua chapter 2, you'll see it's because she actually knew God existed. And the God that existed was the God of Israel. And he's the ruler over heaven and earth. She actually realized that God had given them this land. And because she believed that, trusted in that, she acted it out. Even though she was so far from being an Israelite, as you, as you see here. It's obvious what our actions need to reflect. You see, imagine if Jack, this week, that guy come to him, got to the point and he said, all right, prove it to me. And Jack said, not for you, I'm sorry. I've got to move on. Imagine if you do that. You, you, you can't do that if you honestly understand what God has done and you, you trust in him. Rahab understood that this is what God had decided to do to give them the land and so she didn't just ignore it she did something about it and so the sum of the matter is verse 26 as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without deeds is dead you cannot be someone who says Jesus has died for me he has saved me by grace I have done nothing, he has done it all for me, and then not change. That is the point, because you're a different person. And so to finish up, to help us kind of draw this together, I think there are three important steps that I really want you to take home today. Three things that I think are really crucial. First of all, understand the place of faith and works. James is not for a second kind of trying to sneak into the back door, you need to get to heaven by being a good person. What he's saying is, because everything that he's assumed, which we've talked about in previous weeks, because of what God has done, because of everything that has happened, your faith, which is trusting in Jesus, you respond with works. You're saved because of Jesus and you trust in that. 
wholeheartedly conviction, this side over here. The response is to live it out over here. The problem is, and the problem Christianity sometimes often has, is this part over here gets included over here as if you need to do good to get into heaven. Understand the place of faith and works. I want to implore you to wrestle with that. If you're struggling with that, I would really love to help you work that out. It's so important. It's the disaster of my background. I've mentioned to you before I grew up in a, in a Roman Catholic church and in many ways I've said before that I really appreciate the fact that I was taught all about the his, history and the, the teachings of Jesus and that he died and rose again but I never didn't believe them. I was brought up convicted of that. But the tragedy of Roman Catholic theology is that your actions need to contribute to your salvation. Only like a little bit in true theology, it's like 1% if you want to give it a number, mostly Jesus, but a little bit of action. That's a disaster. Now, forgetting other, other um, uh, religions and faiths and things like that, on a practical level, we sometimes can do that. And I think it's really important we don't, because step two we need to make sure we avoid crippling your relationship with God. You see, if we try, if, if we let times when things get hard, if we let times when our emotions are getting the better of us, if we let uh, the lack of success in our life mean that God does not value us, and we need to get value uh, to God by earning His favour, we're crippling our relationship with him, where he's done everything for us, changed us so that we can live for him. Understanding faith and works gives us immense freedom not to keep coming back to, I, I don't know if God values me. Have you ever had those moments? You probably have. I don't know what it has been for you, whether it's been a tragedy or the way people have treated you or when things haven't worked out. But we can't earn God's favour, His salvation. He's treasured you enough to sort that out Himself. Enjoy the freedom. Enjoy the freedom of knowing your faith has saved you so you can live it out. last step don't get them mixed up faith and works faith works don't cripple your relationship with god the last step then is seek to do good works because of what faith has done for us i've already said it's so important to sit if you want to do what's good and what pleases god you need to actually invest in finding out what it is not just assuming it. So often, we can be challenged in society thinking, what's the good thing to do? And people come up with whatever the culture's moving and whatever the flavour of that culture is, that is how we determine what good is. Whether it be on uh, marriage, marriage equality, 
to gun control in America, to health care, to anything else. What is all the way, you know, everything you do in life, we determine what's good through popularity, through culture, through the different philosophies that are happening. You can, you can, choose, you can see it through culture, uh, through society. If we want to truly do what God sees as good, we need to come to Him. We need to see what His Word says, so then we can act it out. We need to get up. If you don't, your faith does not work. That is, the challenge is to consider, is your trusting in God actually trust in God? Have you surrendered to Him? I don't know where you're all at. But do you today need to actually realise I just need to trust in what God has done for me? Stop trying to earn His favour. Stop trying to think church is the solution or whatever it is. If that's you, embrace the freedom of what God has done in Jesus. Trust in Him. We don't want to live alongside the demons, just with the knowledge of God, but also a disdain for Him. We want to live as God's people who love His ways, who love that He saved us by grace, and we want that shape how we live maybe today for the rest of today consider your faith with God recommit to having your faith being one that is full of action because you love what God has done Take to heart, I will show you my faith by my works. Let it pierce your mind. Let it shape your whole being. Because after all, isn't that what Jesus did? He trusted in his Father that he went to the cross and faced all of God's wrath of sin. He is the perfect example of faith and action. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it can be a bit of a challenge to us to try and understand the relationship of trusting in you and living it out. Help us to be convicted by faith. Help us to be convicted that we need to live for you. Help us not to be confused and try and earn your favour. Help us to express our faith in the only way we can in what we've 